where do you suggest that people start with homesteading? I'm sure that you get this all the time, but yeah. I feel like, you know, there's so many ways you can enter it and there's so many old fashioned skills that are worthwhile. So people kind of, you know, if they're just dipping their toe in the water, go with what speaks to you, what's making you the most excited. If you're still unsure, start with the food. Homesteading is all about the food. It's, we eat three times a day. We have so many options and opportunities to make choices around what we eat, uh, how we prepare it, how we buy it, if we're buying local, if we're buying direct from the farm. So that just gives you a lot of entry points. You know, the average American spends less than 37 minutes per day in the kitchen, and that's divided up between three meals. One of the most old fashioned things you can do as a modern person is just to get in there and start using your kitchen and start figuring out how to make things. And not only is that going to reacquaint you with food, it's going to make you feel good beyond just what you're eating because we're really wired to use our hands and create things. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Katie thoroughly enjoyed the interview you're about to listen to between her, Katie, and Jill Winger. And I'm excited to share this episode with you because I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. But before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know, as we've already done before, but I'm going to let you know again, that the Growth Initiative is open for enrollment. The fall session is going to begin in two weeks or just over two weeks from the time that we are releasing this podcast. The reason I'm emphasizing that is because the Growth Initiative, unlike any of our other programs, has a live element to it. There are six live calls throughout the course of the program. You get lifetime access to all the pre-recorded videos and the course content, the curriculum. You get that for, 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 for forever, for, for forever. But the live videos, I mean, how many times can you, how, how often do you have access to a live video? You just get access to it when it's live. And so that's why I'm here telling you that over the next two weeks is the time If you've been waiting to do the growth initiative, now's the time to do it. Listen, we have this amazing package deal, the couples package, where you are able to get a tremendous discount on both the growth initiative and the Get It All Done Club when you purchase those together. Also, if you're already a member of the Get It All Done Club, check your inbox this week because we are sending out a coupon code to any Get It All Done Club members for their husband's growth initiative admittance. So check your inbox. Folks, I don't know if I can say anything more about the growth initiative in this introduction. So I'm going to conclude by reading Jill Winger's bio, and then I'm going to leave it to Katie and Jill to give you food for thought for the rest of this episode. So Jill Winger. Jill Winger and her family pursue a lifestyle of modern homesteading on the wide open prairies of Wyoming. They dabble in a variety of small-scale agricultural endeavors, including organic gardening, grass-fed beef cattle, home dairying, poultry, and more. Jill blogs at the Prairie Homestead, where she encourages others to return to their roots no matter where they live. Her blog was among the top traditional food bloggers at the 2017 BITAN Awards and the top 10 homestead bloggers for From Scratch Magazine. She has been featured in HuffPost, BuzzFeed, and Fox News Magazine. Also, more recently, I literally just saw an article with her in the Epoch Times. Like, I, I was there was a copy of it at my dad's house. And I was like, Jill Winger, we just had her on the podcast. So that's, that's more recent. Her cookbooks include Natural Homestead, 40 plus recipes for natural critters and crops and the prairie homestead cookbook simple recipes for heritage cooking in any kitchen all right you're going to hear more about her most recent project you're going to hear more about her most current life so i'm just going to let you listen 
Now, enjoy the podcast. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. So my name is Jill Winger. I am the creator of theprairiehomestead.com, which was one of the first homesteading websites and blogs on the internet. And I live in Wyoming with my family. I'm just really passionate about helping people recapture old fashioned skills that have been lost in our push towards progress and just helping them find the purpose and meaning that comes from that. That's awesome. And what, give me kind of an origin story. Cause like you said, you're the you were there before homesteading was cool. People were still like in the minimalist movement, yes. <laughs> probably, <Yes>. where it's <laughs> like, what? We don't want anything. Um, so how did that look for you guys? How did you decide you wanted a homestead? How did it look starting out? Yeah. So I definitely wasn't raised in this lifestyle. It was a typical nineties kid kind of lived in a little housing development, normal childhood for the most part, but I'd always had this little tug in me that I wanted to live. I didn't know it was called homesteading back then. Right. Um, but I was like, I, I want to live in the country. I want to have animals. I wanted I, horses, especially I was a horse, one of the weird horse girls, you know? So I was like, I need the horses and the animals. And I just really was pulled towards that. But everyone around me was, was kind of like, well, you know, people don't really do that. So that's cute. Figure out something else to do with your life. Um, and so I kind of shoved it down, ignored it, went to college, met my husband. And he'd also, um, we'd grown up 1200 miles apart. He'd also always wanted to be at, in agriculture, even though he was raised in town. So when we decided to buy our first home after we were married, we knew we didn't want it to be kind of the typical starter house. We didn't want to be in town. We didn't want the white picket fence. We wanted something a little more rugged and out, off the beaten path. And so we, we found this old farmstead um, it had not been lived in for quite some time. It was covered in trash. All the outbuildings were, were busted and the fences were destroyed. And we're like, this is perfect. This is what we've been waiting for. And so when we bought that property, um, almost just instantly, I was hit with this, this idea of like, how can we make it profitable? How can I make it productive? Not just a place to live, but how can I bring it to life and have it be something that's beautiful and something that actually brings value into the world? And so that's kind of where the, the idea of homesteading came up for me. I didn't know it was called homesteading. I didn't know that it was a thing. It really wasn't a thing back then. It was 2008. So it was pretty new in, in the world of the internet to talk about chickens and tomatoes and stuff, but that's where, it, that's where it started at least. No way. And so did you take your homestead online at that point, or did you wait for years and then, you know, come on YouTube and start your blog and all that? So I waited about two years. Um, so we bought the property in 2008. I had our first child in 2010. And so I had quit my job to be a stay at home mom at that point. And you know, I was super isolated, 45 minutes from town. We didn't have a lot of money. So I couldn't drive to the mommy groups, you know, swimming lessons with the baby, like all the stuff that new moms do. Like I just didn't have that, those resources. And so I was starting to feel really stir crazy being stuck in the house with a newborn, no friends, no family close. And so I had the, the blog was kind of an outlet for me when I initially started it just a way to put my own experiences and thoughts on the internet. And then a few years into doing that consistently, I started to gain traction. And that was when I was like, oh, this could be something more than just an online diary. And that's kind of, yeah, the rest is history, I suppose. Wow, cool. Okay, so where are you now? How does life look like for you now on the homestead? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a funny paradox. You know, I love the simple life and that's what brought us into this. But sometimes the deeper you get into the simple life, the more complex it gets. So I guess we kind of have to redefine what simple means to us. 
Um, so fast forward to today, we're still on the same property. It's changed considerably. We put a lot of work into it. We raise the majority of our own food. We still go to the grocery store sometimes, but you know, we have milk cows, chickens. We do our own beef and, and, uh, meat chickens. I said, sounds weird how I said that we raise chickens and, and beef for meat as well as eggs. Uh, we raise vegetables. We have greenhouses and gardens. So that's a big part of our life, but we also have branched out more into our local community. So we, um, sell beef. We ship that nationwide. We have a little restaurant near us. We homeschool our kids. We have three kids now and they're really involved in all of that. So our life has lots of moving pieces, but the homestead is really still kind of the central pillar that ties it all together. Wow. And so does your husband do that with you? Is he like, do you guys manage the, the, what did you say you have in town? You have like a restaurant? We have a little restaurant. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. So he quit his traditional job in 2015 after my blog started to grow and it was just not making sense for him to go work out off the homestead. Cause I needed him here. And so he, yeah, he runs alongside of me. He's not a blogger and he's never going to do like be in the middle of my business. He, he appreciates it, but it's not his passion. And so I still run my prairie homestead type content and he helps run, he takes care of the cattle and he's does, I mean, he builds things. And so in the restaurant, something breaks down, he fixes that, or he renovates buildings and stuff. So it works really, really well. Um, that synergy, although we're not necessarily like both creating content for the same sources, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Someone's got to make sure everything else stays running (laughs) too. (laughs) Wow. And then how has that worked with your kids with homeschooling and the homestead and stuff like that? How are they involved with the homesteading? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite parts in that. Um, the homestead just gives them so many opportunities to learn responsibility. Uh, it gives us a chance to give them more autonomy than maybe kids their age would have in a normal modern American setting. And that's not to say that people can't recreate that no matter where they live, but the homestead has been a really great teacher for me. And so, um, our kids are super involved. They, at this point, I have a 13, a 10 and a seven year old. So they're a little bit older. They run all of the barn chores. Um, my daughter, my oldest milks the cow every morning when we're milking my, my middle child does all the chicken chores they are, you know, they help cook, they help with food preservation. They're, they're very involved, which has been pretty gratifying to see them kind of be raised up alongside the homestead as it's grown. And how have you taught work ethic through that? Has it been something that's just like naturally happened? Have you had kids that were more resistant to doing, you know, jumping on board and doing all the chores and all the work that needs to be done? How's that kind of looked? Yeah, it's been a little bit of all everything you just said. So I think it maybe hasn't been as much of a struggle as, as some people might expect, just because my husband and I, we love to work. We say projects are our love language. And so from the time the kids were tiny, they've been outside with us. And my husband and I very much don't have a kind of that standard, uh, cultural a view of work where it's like drudgery and oh we just get it done and punch the time cards so we can have the weekend like we love working we find so much joy in working and so the kids have always seen us find joy in working and i think that has helped they've been there since they were babies just seeing how that goes that's not to say you know they're still children so there's days when i'm like you know yesterday there was a child who didn't do chores quite like he was supposed to do chores and so i had to follow up with him and go hey the water on the chickens has not been changed like so there's still normal kid resistance that we work through um and we have to you know teach like consistency and being really mindful of details and stuff but for the most part i think they have a pretty healthy view of work um 
and we try to, I don't know, just the way we're wired, we, we don't always separate work and pleasure. They're kind of melded for us. We, we, we find it a lot of enjoyment in it. And I think our kids have started to take on that same mindset, which is helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what work was intended to be was a fulfilling, uh, pleasure. Like we were intended to work and it's kind of a bummer how that's been separated from work and rest into, I was reading a book in there saying, now we have a lot of, um, toil and leisure. And neither of those things are as fulfilling as work and rest. And I don't know, that really stuck with me. Yeah, I I, I so agree with that. I have, uh, I think the whole leisure concept in modern society is so fascinating where it has to be like this passive activity. Like the only form of leisure that people count as leisure is consumption. Either you're sitting like a blob on the couch or you're consuming something. That's not to say I don't sometimes veg on the couch, but you know, that's, you can be, I find fully relaxed and doing something like I can be out in the garden on a, on a beautiful afternoon and lightly weeding or just kind of bumbling around out there. And it's so much more relaxing to me than sitting and watching Netflix. So I feel like, you know, we just have to redefine that as a culture. Yeah, absolutely. Cause we aren't as fulfilled and we aren't as rested either. We're just worn out from, yes, from both activities, the consumption absolutely. and the, and the toiling. Um, so with your children and your homeschooling, I was curious about this too. How do you work that all in with the homesteading, especially like in the fall, right? School is typically picking up and then like food preservation and all that is like crazy yes. busy. Yes. That's a great question. And sometimes it's more smooth than others. Um, yeah, I think fall's probably the trickiest winter is pretty easy because everything outside is dead and under snow and we just cozy up by the fire into our school. Um, <clears throat> so most of the time, like we try to get our school done first thing in the morning, we start at eight and we get done around 11. That's just our pattern. Um, that's not right for every family, but that's how we do it. I just like to have it done. So now that my kids are a little older it, on in those fall mornings, it might be, okay, I'm going to get you started on math and language arts. And then I have to get the tomatoes started in the canner or, you know, Hey, you get done with school at 11 today, but you, you need to help me do this project in the kitchen before you go outside and play. So we're just kind of all hands on deck at that point. Um, sometimes maybe the school isn't as perfectly compartmentalized during those seasons, but that's just, that's just life on the homestead. And honestly, I'm kind of like, you know, if they're in, in the kitchen helping me do stuff, we're talking about measuring, we're talking about food production, we're talking about why some tomatoes have more acidity than others, you know, so it's, I feel like it all kind of life is school and school is life and, and that sort of deal. <laughs> I love that. I loved how intertwined everything is. And how did that look when you had little kids, like when you're, you know, teaching to read and teaching kind of like these very hands-on time-consuming concepts. Yeah. So just the way it worked for us when I had the littler ones, when I needed to be at the table sitting with them more, um, I find at least for the way we, we do our homeschooling, we weren't doing school as long, you know, those kindergarten, first grade, second grade, they're not doing, you know, three to four hour stretches. It's more, we're just getting stuff done quickly. So we could get our school done in the morning. I'm done by 10, 10 AM. And then I'd have more time in the afternoons to do those preservation projects. Um, so it, it's kind of worked out well. I know if, if people have a larger span of children, that might be a little different. Although sometimes the older ones can help and you can roll the older ones into doing things without you. And, and that's what I'm kind of getting into now with my, my 13 and my 10 year old. It's like, Hey, I'm not going to be around when I need to start prepping supper today. Cause I'm going to be at the restaurant or I'm going to be in town. So could you get the beef browning? Could you turn, put this in the oven? Could you watch the chicken while it's roasting? And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely been something to adjust with the different stages and learn how to be creative and kind of problem solve. But I find that it works. Even when I had the tiny babies, you know, I, I'd, I'd do the big projects during nap times, or I would teach them, Hey, I'm going to be in the kitchen. 
you're going to be over here on a blanket with toys. You can see me, you're fine, but I need to focus on this right now. And I think that was good training for them um, at the same time. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I do think, you know, work expands to fill the time allotted. It like does. we've heard that. Yeah. And it's like when you have to get that done and because you have other things to do instead of like, okay, we have our whole day. We're just going to make our preschool curriculum dribble on, you know, throughout all yes. the hours. It's going to look, yeah, you could get a lot, a lot of stuff done. Okay. So I saw on Instagram your son doing leatherworking. Mm-hmm. How did he get into that? How did you get your kids into that? Yeah. So, um, that kind of started, well, it's, it's kind of a funny story. We, we don't, we've never watched a lot of TV. We don't have cable. We would just do some streaming programs and it was usually educational, right? It was like the documentaries and stuff, but we noticed last fall that we were just using that as more of a default activity than we would have liked to. It's not like they were on the TV. And I, I'm, I'm giving these disclaimers because I have had a lot of criticism over the posts that I did about that. We weren't letting them watch eight hours of TV a day. It wasn't unhinged, but it was just like even a couple hours a day or even an hour a day was just like, what, are, what could we be doing instead? And so we decided to do a TV fast last December um, for three months that we committed to. And so we found ourselves our winter Wyoming evenings are very long and dark. So we had this big stretch of time after supper with no TV and we're like, huh, what are we going to fill this time with? So we read a lot of books as a family. Um, and then we have a shop. So my husband would end up going out to the shop after supper and tinker. And he, and my son decided he asked if he could make a, a dog collar, I think. So we got him a little kit for Christmas and he started playing with that. Uh, and then my husband thought it was pretty cool. And he's like, I want to, I want to try some stuff. And so they started working on leather together. They watched some tutorials on YouTube. They went to our local little Tandy leather store and bought kits and tools. And now it's kind of expanded into this whole thing. Um, but it was just really cool to see, you know, when they had that gap of boredom, if you will, then that creativity kind of ignited and it, and it brought him into leather. My daughter started braiding paracord uh, horse reins. She's trying to get into rawhide. Like just all this stuff started to happen when we removed the activity of TV consumption. So it was kind of a, a cool little revelation this winter. That is awesome. I love how those experiments, yeah, they open up time. And then, like you said, you're like, okay, what am I going to do with this? We're in the same boat where it gets dark at like three 34 in the winter. Yes. And it's kind of like, okay, what are you we going to do? We've got a lot of hours. We have our second day in yeah, the dark. It really is. It really is. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I saw that. And I was just like, wow, just like the attention to detail that he had too. And I, I don't know, it, it was, it was pretty impressive. Um, if you could go back and do something differently, on your homestead, you know, you've done this for a really long time. What's something that you might go back and change? Yeah. Um, well, lots of things, but the, the first one that really comes to mind is when we first started planning things out, we thought really small. And so we would, we had this really weird habit of building everything around our house and we have 60 plus acres, but we would just like center it right around the house. And um, we build the fences there, we build the outbuildings there. And then as we've expanded and really learned how to think bigger and not to self-limit ourselves, we, we have had to actually rebuild things. We've had to take out fence lines. We've had to move structures and it's been a good lesson, also a little embarrassing and a little annoying. So I think one thing my husband and I talk about a lot is, okay, we're going to build this thing. We have this idea, but how do we leave room for expansion as we grow and mature um, as a family and as homesteaders and just as humans? And so I think that's a good life lesson is don't, maybe don't cut yourself too short, which we totally did in the early years. That's good. And how did you learn to think bigger? Is it just through like, oh, 
we outgrew this. Is is it just kind of like trial and error that you yeah. had that perspective shift? There, there's been a, a piece of that. Yeah, definitely trial and error. Like, wow, this fence was way too small. So now we get to tear it out and try again. I think just the mental process of learning how to expand our process has been um, just as we've gone kind of on personal development journey, being around different mentors, stretching ourselves to be around people who think bigger than us, you know, being kind of by choice, the little fish in a room. So we are always being challenged and stretched and pushed by those around us. I think that's been really key. My husband and I don't come from families uh, that are big dreamers or big doers or risk takers. And so I think that's why we were so prone to keep it tight and, you know, don't make waves when we were newlyweds. And so as we've grown up as, as people and just pushed ourselves to be in different circles, that's been a really big piece of that. Okay. So how do you do meals with all that you have going on too? That's something that I don't know. It's like, okay, the schooling's big, the homesteading's big, giving everyone three meals a day. How do you do that? Do you have any systems for that or rhythms for that? I'm sure you do. I do. People ask me that a lot. And it's such a good question because I I have tried so many of like the really fancy meal planning systems over the years, like the apps and the color-coded spreadsheets. And for some reason, I am a planner personality, but I cannot for the life of me menu plan on a regular, like I just like can't fit into the really rigid spreadsheets. I think it's because our life moves so quickly and there are, you know, if I try to go super rigid, like life just throws too many curveballs. And so I kind of have a, a non-system system that I use where, uh, I think my biggest rule of thumb is I keep a really solid baseline of ingredients in stock at all times, like whole food ingredients, whether that's, you know, whole grains, the rolled oats, different sweeteners, dry beans, the stuff that I'm really comfortable preparing and cooking. And so I kind of have my list. And then I know that there are quite a few recipes that I can make with that baseline of ingredients. Um, and I think that's uh, that pantry stocking is someone that something that anyone can do. I live far from town, so it's kind of necessity. But even if you live in the middle of a city, it just makes your life easier not having to run to the grocery store every time you need an ingredient. And so that's the first step. And then I think the second step is over the years, I've developed kind of a repertoire of meals that I can cook quickly or easily. You know, one of my fallbacks is if I happen to be out of the house and I've missed the mark for that dinner prep window, tacos or something I know I can throw together pretty quickly. I always have taco stuff in the house or, you know, I might not have avocados or I might be missing the salsa, but I have the rest of the stuff. So you, we can kind of piece that together. Um, and then the other part of that is we eat a lot of whole foods. We're not purists on that, but we're, we do pretty good. And I feel like a lot of times people feel that the whole food menu or the whole food meal has to be really complicated or elaborate. And it really doesn't have to be. And so I let what's in my freezer, what's in my garden really lead the way. And it's often as simple as like a roast chicken and some roast potatoes and maybe some green beans from the freezer or roast beef and a vegetable and a thing of pasta that I had in the pantry. And so I just keep it really simple with the protein, the veggie, and and maybe a starch if it fits. And it doesn't have to be like elaborate casseroles or elaborate pasta dishes with all these components every single day. It can just be really simple and and it's still really satisfying and, and healthy. Oh yeah, totally. I think that's like way more satisfying than a casserole too. Yeah, yeah I know. It's the casseroles was so funny. That was such a, my mom did a lot of casseroles. I'm like, I'm glad we're out of that era. 
lot of them just didn't work. <laughs> it was it was an era. It's so true. It's like who came up with like we have to put all the ingredients together. Like if yes. you put the same ingredients on the plate separate, it might taste better. Exactly. <laughs> it usually does taste better for sure. Yeah, there were some doozies, and that, that and the Jello. I'm like the Jello yes. needs to be laid to rest. <laughs> jello, and then the casseroles always had like cream of mushroom soup or something yep. in there too. Yes. Oh, yes. that's good. Okay, so I love it having that pantry. I just just did this uh, before my fifth child. I realized I was doing that. I was just going to the grocery store all the time. And I had the meals for my meal plan, but say someone came over or yeah, like life changed. And it was like, oh, well, I don't have ingredients to make another meal outside of my plan. So writing down, I wrote down a list of like, okay, this is my foundational pantry and I need to always have these things on hand. So I love... Yes. That you said that. I'm just figuring that out. Yeah. It's such a game changer because I feel like even if you live five minutes from the grocery store, you still have to get ready to go, get the kids in the car. It just takes time. It's just another piece of friction in your day. So yeah, if you can eliminate those store trips, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And if it's close to dinner time, you're like so hungry. Exactly. You buy all the extra things. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) End up with all the extra stuff. Oh, goodness. Okay. So where do you start? Where do you start? Where do you suggest that people start with homesteading? I'm sure that you get this all the time, but yeah, I feel like, you know, there's so many ways you can enter it and there's so many old fashioned skills that are worthwhile. So people kind of, you know, if they're just dipping their toe in the water, go with what speaks to you, what's making you the most excited. That's, that's a good rule of thumb. But if you're still unsure, start with the food. Because whether you're living in a suburban neighborhood or you're living on an actual piece of property, a homestead per se, um, homesteading is all about the food. It's it, we eat three times a day. We have so many options and opportunities to make choices around what we eat, uh, how we prepare it, how we buy it. If we're buying local, if we're buying direct from the farm. So that just gives you a lot of entry points. And I would say one of the first things that people can do is just get back in the kitchen. Um, maybe you're, I'm assuming you have a lot of families in your audience, so maybe they're already cooking, but you know, the average American spends less than 37 minutes per day in the kitchen. And that's divided up between three meals. And that includes cleanup as well, which is like literally just microwaving, right? So one of the most old fashioned things you can do as a modern person is just to get in there and start using your kitchen and start figuring out how to make things. And it might be semi homemade at first, and then you can start to, to keep dialing it back and get um, to where you're making more from scratch. And not only is that going to reacquaint you with food, it's going to make you feel good beyond just what you're eating because we're really wired to use our hands and create things. And so much of our modern culture has robbed that from us with the screens and the buttons and the tapping and the remote. And so when you're getting in there, you're kneading bread, you're stirring the gravy, you're chopping the vegetables. I really feel like it's such a crucial thing to get people just kind of back to basics. They feel more grounded, they feel more productive, and it's just a really beautiful domino effect that will spread throughout your life. I am so glad I asked that question because I really feel like that takes away all of the excuses because I think there's a lot of people right now, a lot of our audience who are living in you know, suburban homes and have this dream of one day I'd love property. And it's obviously it's become very much the trend to have land right now. And so they see everybody raising their chickens and, and whatnot, instead of just being like, okay, I can do this act of using my hands creatively and intentionally and spending my time. Like you said, it's all about the food. If yes. And anything that we're learning now 
it's something you don't have to learn later. So it's like, if it's hard to grow all your own ingredients and how, then do you have the time to prepare them? Do you know how to prepare them? Yes. And that's, that's such a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I see a lot of people, they're just like, okay, so five years, I'm going to get a farm. That's my five-year plan. And I'm like, that's great, but you need to start preparing mentally and physically now, because like you said, you buy the farm on day one, you're going to feel very overwhelmed. So if you can already have the food skills, uh, down you're comfortable with taking raw ingredients and turning them into meals, then you're going to be so much further ahead when you actually start growing it yourself. And even if you never move, maybe, maybe you never get mm -hmm. the farm you're still going to be feeling better because you're eating better. You're going to be happier because you're doing something with your hands. And so it's, it's just really a win-win. Oh, that is so, so good. Okay. So tell me real quick about your book. I actually didn't know you had written a book until just recently. Um, I just ordered it because I'm always looking for good books. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about it. I know our audience would love to hear about it too. Yes. So it's my upcoming book is called old fashioned on purpose. And it's really kind of touching in a lot of what we talked about today in terms of, um, I know this homesteading ideal is so healthy for humans, but I also know that not everyone can move to Wyoming like I did and buy a farm. And so I, I spent a lot of time sitting with the concepts and kind of just distilling down this roadmap of what are the most old fashioned principles that have had the biggest impact on my life and how can I help people, no matter where they live, grab a hold of them. And so that's, that's the essence of the book. It's, it's part philosophy, part memoir and part practical. So people kind of get a, a good smattering, but, um, I'm hoping that everyone can, you know, even in the suburbs of the city can, can check it out and really start to see that there's more to life than just what modern culture tells us. Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah. I'm so excited to hear it. And you could tell that you, I mean, even like how you answered just that last question about food, it's like, you could tell you've thought through this. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. I've been there, done that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. What do you, what do you think? Okay. So aside from food, what do you think is, or maybe in the vein of food, what do you think are the most important old fashioned skills? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's, there's many, so food, cooking from scratch, grow, then dabbling into growing ingredients, whether that's vegetables or getting chickens, uh, working with your hands, maybe even outside of the kitchen. What do you, what can you create? What sort of, um, creative endeavors can you bring into your life? Those are big. Um, but I think one of my current favorites is kind of in the realm of community because that's an old fashioned skill that doesn't get enough press. Mm -hmm. We're so disconnected is a culture, you know, we we're connected more than ever via technology, but more disconnected than ever with face-to-face -face. and just our, our little communities are dying. People aren't interacting in person anymore. So I feel like one of my favorite ways to revive that old fashioned spirit is just to get out and gather people around you, whether it's your neighborhood, whether you live in a tiny town uh, near a tiny town, like I do just being more involved. And when you are with people in real life, not with a screen, just really being intentional, putting the technology away, getting to know them, getting into that messy part of human interaction, because it's not always rainbows and sunshine. I think that intentionality is so crucial and really one of the most fulfilling old fashioned skills we can partake in. Yeah. And no one really thinks about that. They don't. Yeah. Chickens and sourdough are a little more glamorous, but yeah, I think the community piece is one of the most fulfilling. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So, okay. This is like, I was just curious. So you had you had your blog, you had YouTube. Do you just do the podcast now on YouTube or do you mix in videos? Um, 
you know, that aren't the podcast or how did that transition look for you? Yeah. So it it definitely being a content creator, as I'm sure, you know, has changed so much (laughs) over the last few years. It's it's insane. So started with the blog, the blog's still going. We publish a couple of times a month over there and there's a huge archive of posts. Uh, But then, you know, the different channels came along. So we worked on YouTube for a while. And then I have found more recently, I just love the podcast format. And so my, my audio version of my podcast, like on iTunes, those places has done really well. We post the video version on YouTube just because some people like to watch them instead of just listen. Um, I don't do as many non podcast videos these days, just because I find that video creation is something that takes so much time and it's just not my zone of genius, if you will. So these days I focus more on like the book writing, I create some courses and and just do the podcast. And that's where I find I I enjoy content the most. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of been like our transition. I feel like we're going back and forth right now with like the YouTube and just doing the podcast. So I was kind of curious. Yeah. Cause I, I really enjoy the podcast and it's the same thing. We just put our videos up on YouTube because it's like, Hey, why not? Yes. Um, yes. But it is really fun. These longer form like conversations. Yeah. And I like getting deep. I really, especially in the homestead space, I feel like there's a lot of entry level uh, content creators, which is great, but there's a lot of kind of the same stuff over and over. And I love just, just doing really deep dives into the meaty topics. So yeah, this is, it's enjoyable. Or do you do, do you do lifestyle videos on YouTube too? Have you dabbled in that? We dabbled in that. Yeah. And we stopped, um, a while ago, mainly because of our kids. And we're like, you know what, this just isn't we weren't like homestead lifestyle. It was like lifestyle with a family. With family, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it was just kind of like, okay, this is not what we want to do long term right. as our kids are getting older. Yeah, it's a whole. I have a lot of friends who are big homestead YouTube stars, and I so admire what they can do. But they're, I mean, every time we're together, like they're filming episodes because they have to, and there yeah. is like such a thing. And I, I I'm always like. I want to do a project, but I don't want to have the camera on because I just want to be a normal person and just focus on the project. And so I had such a tension there. So it's a definite lifestyle adjustment if you're going to do it on YouTube. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So tell us real quick. I mean, we, we briefly talked about some things you're doing, but tell our listeners real quick where they can find you. Uh, specifically, we'll have all the links down in the show notes and where they could purchase your book and all that stuff. Yeah. So the prairiehomestead.com is my original blog, it's still going strong. So it's a good place to connect with all the different kind of spokes off the wheel of all the things I do. Um, and then the book is called old fashioned on purpose. They can check it out at oldfashionedbook.com. Um, and I'm not sure when this episode is coming out, but if they pre-order, cause it's going to hit shelves September 26th. And if you grab a copy before it officially hits the shelves, we have a ton of bonuses that you get access to a sourdough guide and some home dairy recipes and all kinds of stuff. So they can check that out over there. Awesome. I'm so excited about this. And thank you so much, Jill, for jumping on today and doing this interview with me. I know our listeners are going to love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Men, the Growth Initiative is now open for enrollment. The Growth Initiative is a six-week live coaching program for men that are looking to grow in areas of parenthood, in areas of provision, in areas of health, in areas of financial freedom and well-being, really in areas of life that matter most to you. When I look at my life and I think of my faith, my marriage, my my parenting, my physical health, my financial growth and, and ability to provide for my family, I know that in order to see growth in those areas, I've got to have a systematic approach 
approach to it. So when I look at my ideals and my dreams, those are only good to me if I'm able to break down an actionable plan that I can then execute. And that's what the growth initiative is all about. Customizing your actionable plan to see growth in the areas of life that matter most to you. So if you're a Christian man and you're a husband and you're a father and you want to grow in those areas of life that I already referred to, hop on over. I'll link it below and you'll be able to find a timeline that works for you. Like I said, this is a live coaching program six weeks long with live calls each week along with tools and resources to help you up your game in those areas that matter most to you and you can enroll in whatever time session whatever time session whatever session works for you time-wise 